The Journey Hometown Journal. And we know that he probably was associated with gift giving, of helping the poor, uh, especially children. Welcome to the Hometown Journal. I'm Mark Edwards. As we celebrate Christmas this weekend, it is a good time to get a historical perspective on some of our Christmas traditions, specifically the origin of Santa Claus. Dr. Kerry Roberts is a professor of history and associate dean of online programs at Liberty University. We will also be discussing how people have enjoyed the tradition of St. Nicholas, or Santa, while also maintaining the celebration of the birth of Christ. Dr. Roberts, welcome. So how did your background lead you to this study of the origin of Santa Claus? Yeah, and it's not every day that someone wakes up and says, I want to become a historian about Santa Claus. (laughs) And that was certainly the case with me. This is a project that really just fell into my lap. As a historian, my primary area of research is the, the cultural and regional tension that produced American nationalism. And I'm primarily a historian of early America, not okay. modern America. But uh, I was always puzzled by Christmas traditions and where they came from, I, especially white Christmases. That, that, was, that was alien to me. I grew up 75 miles north of the Gulf of Mexico, as you hmm. can probably tell from my accent. <laughs> and uh, I was 19 before I was ever around snow. Wow. So this idea of a white Christmas, what in the world is that? Mm-hmm. And, of course, as I uh, became a scholar and as I conducted more and more research, I quickly realized that only New England and upstate New York consistently have snowfall at Christmas time. And that was an example of, of regionalism. It was an example of where we have something we value as Americans as a whole, a white Christmas, but it is not something we all share in. And that led down the path of trying to figure out, well, what else about Christmas time was regionally based and gradually become something that was nationwide. And, and it would make sense that there would be regional celebrations of Christmas in different traditions, because we do that with a lot of things in our country and different cultures and, and regions. Yes, that's true. And, you know, as a scholar, um, and, and Mark, I'm sure you're, you're, you're familiar with the term culture wars. Mm-hmm. We, we hear this a lot, especially in Christian circles. And, and what most uh, commentators and most discussions about culture wars ignores is this has been around from the very beginning. I and mean, we can go back to Jamestown. The tension between Jamestown versus Plymouth Rock as the true origin of America. As good Virginians, of course, we know it started at Jamestown. But there are others who insist that, no, it started at Plymouth. Uh, where was the first Thanksgiving? Well, the first Thanksgiving was in Virginia. It was not with the Pilgrims in 1620. So these are the kinds of things that as a historian, um, you know, we're trained to pick up on, and, and we try to enrich people's lives today by talking about this stuff. So we'll take it from the, the part of, of in our country here in the United States and where St. Nicholas, Father Christmas kind of came into being and when we began to, to recognize that. Sure, and there is, a, there is an actual St. Nicholas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know a lot about Nicholas of Mira. Uh, Mira is a, was a Greek settlement in uh, what is now the southern coast of present-day Turkey. 
He was a bishop in Mira. Uh, we know he was born sometime in the 200s, probably died in the 300s, probably died on December 6th, which is the feast day for St. Nicholas. And we know that he probably was associated with gift-giving, of helping the poor, uh, especially children. And so that tradition matured and developed really over a thousand years hmm. across Europe. Slowly it spread across Western, to Western Europe. And the St. Nicholas tradition was transplanted to North America by European colonists. But it wasn't transplanted in the same way in each part of, the, of what became the United States. So in the South and in places largely settled by the English and the Scots, St. Nicholas was, was really thought of as Father Christmas. And Father Christmas is the, the really more the ancient English approach to this, this period of time. Father Christmas was best illustrated, sort of illustrated, if we can talk about the written word as illustrating it, in Charles Dickens' uh, Christmas Carol. Mm-hmm. So the ghost of Christmas present is Father Christmas. And he's fat, and he's jolly, and he wore a crown of holly in Dickens' narrative. And that is probably what most people in antebellum America had. Dr. Kerry Roberts, professor of history at Liberty University, is our guest this week on the Hometown Journal. And we are discussing the origin of Santa. Back with more in a minute. In a world where we're all connected, sometimes we feel disconnected. But with the My Journey FM mobile app, you can experience hope and encouragement whenever, wherever. Isn't that cool? Engage with your favorite Journey artists and music. See what song just played. Find out what concerts and hometown events are in your area. Get connected. Lately, I've been listening to it almost every day. I really needed the encouragement. The My Journey FM mobile app. Download it today in your app store. Now back to more of the Journey Hometown Journal. Mark Edwards back with you as we continue our conversation on the history of St. Nicholas. Our guest is Dr. Kerry Roberts, Professor of History and Associate Dean of Online Programs at Liberty University. We were talking about the regional celebrations of Christmas in the United States, and when you look at our history, it was very different uh, depending on where you lived. Much of that had to do with the weather. For example, winters in the Northeast were very bleak. They were very bleak, and of course that's where the white Christmas came from, New England. Um, The Puritans of old were, they really frowned upon Christmas, and, and there's a good reason for that. And of course, secularists like to use this to poke jabs at, 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 at Christians. Look, they didn't even like Christmas. But from the Puritans' uh, perspective in colonial New England, they did not think we should take a celebration of the incarnation of Jesus Christ and only focus on that at one point in the year. The incarnation of Jesus Christ should be celebrated every single day of the year. And so the Puritans really, they frowned upon feast days. They frowned upon the church calendar. They frowned upon these specific holy days or holidays, as we call them today. And they they wanted to ensure that the heart of the Christian message, the heart of the gospel, was celebrated every single day of the year. But no, they didn't really do a lot with Christmas. So when did we begin to include in our Christmas celebrations the idea of Santa, someone who 
makes his rounds on Christmas Eve and and brings gifts uh, to all. In the South, uh, Father Christmas, and even in the Midwest, Father Christmas was the the person who visited. Um, Now, that was usually on uh, the eve of St. Nicholas Day. So St. Nicholas's feast day was December 6th, is December 6th. And so December 5th, that evening, is when uh, St. Nicholas would come and distribute uh, gifts to children. Uh, Christmas itself was very different uh, region to region. In the South, for example, in Virginia and uh, all the way down into the Carolinas, Christmas was a rather... Uh, boisterous event. So just take for a moment and imagine our modern day uh, 4th of July celebrations uh, and combine that with our modern New Year's Eve celebration. And that's what Christmas was like in the South. A lot of parties, people stayed up all night. They had barbecues, slaughter the most succulent pig and enjoy (laughs) a, a, a good barbecue meal. But Santa Claus is largely rooted in the Dutch settlers who came into present-day New York. Uh, New York was founded as a Dutch colony, the New Netherlands, and they brought with them this European tradition of Sinterklaas. I have a friend of mine who likes to describe Sinterklaas as a New York hobgoblin, and that <laughs> that that's not actually too far from the truth. It, it, it was an elvish-like figure a combination of Norse-Elven mythology with the Christian tradition of St. Nicholas. So Sinterklaas would bring gifts, and he would bring lumps of coal, and he would uh, usually come at Christmas time. Over the years, this became uh, what we call today Santa Claus. And so it's a really a marvelous uh, conglomeration of lots of different cultural factors that, that sort of came together and was commercialized by the 20th century. Part of that commercializing of uh, what we know as Santa is that iconic image, and I believe is it. I believe it's Coke That's that right. has that iconic That's image right. of of Santa with the red suit. That's right. Yeah. There are images of Santa Claus in the 19th century, even in the Civil War. Harper's Weekly had images of Thomas Nass uh, engravings of Santa Claus. There's nothing really like the Santa Claus today, but he was he was helping out Northern Union troops during the war. So uh, I guess from that perspective, he was, he was on the North side. Um, but Santa Claus, that red suit, the big beard, the, the, the jolliness, mm-hmm. the jolliness, is a construction of various artists uh, in the late 19th and into the early 20th century. Now, obviously, a good example of that is going to be uh, Norman Rockwell. He drew some Santa Clauses uh, for, uh, for, for Saturday Evening Post. But in 1931, Coca-Cola, a southern beverage company, we, we need to always remember that. It's a southern <laughs> company. And they wanted to run a national ad campaign. So they hired a Swedish immigrant by the name of Harold Sundblom to design this campaign, print ad campaign. And Sundblom drew upon the Norman Rockwell um, engravings, but he is the one who really made the jolliest, fattest, reddest-cheeked, flowing white beard image of good old Santa Claus today. And um, that ad campaign is effectively what helped make Santa Claus national. 
Well, we hope you're enjoying a little different Hometown Journal today as we look at the origin of Father Christmas, St. Nicholas, and as we know him today, Santa Claus. We'll be back with more on our Christmas traditions in a minute. In a world where we're all connected, sometimes we feel disconnected. But with the My Journey FM mobile app, you can experience hope and encouragement whenever, wherever. Isn't that cool? Engage with your favorite Journey artists and music. See what song just played. Find out what concerts and hometown events are in your area. Get connected. Lately, I've been listening to it almost every day. I really needed the encouragement. The My Journey FM mobile app. Download it today in your app store. Now back to more of the Journey Hometown Journal. Mark Edwards with you, along with our guest, Dr. Carrie Roberts, a professor of history and associate dean of online programs at Liberty University. Part of Dr. Roberts' studies have included the traditions of Christmas. And so on this Christmas weekend, we are discussing some of those traditions and how they've been celebrated in different ways and in different cultures throughout the history of our country. Right before the break, we were talking about what we know in our culture, the image that we have of Santa Claus today, much of that goes back to that Coca-Cola ad of the 1930s and 40s. That's the image of Santa with the red cheeks, in the red suit, jolly, the long white beard. And it speaks to how much media, advertising, movies have contributed to the image that we have today of Santa Claus. Yeah, it really is. And yet it's still largely a New York, a New York, even a New York City creation. Mm-hmm. So the, the the Santa Claus that Sunbaum drew and the Coca-Cola used was effectively that New York City uh, fella. And it was rooted in the Dutch Santa Claus. But uh, gradually over the 1930s and into the 1940s, you started seeing more and more of this New York Santa Claus uh, uh, traveling to other parts of the country by way of film. And then into the 1940s and 50s and 60s by way of television and music, such that by the time we get to the 1960s and 70s, uh, Santa Claus is visiting children all over the world, not just in the United States really speaks to that question of then what influences the other media advertising influence culture does culture influence advertising and media yeah that's a great question and i would say obviously the answer is both right mm-hmm. that's the always the correct historical answer is both um just don't tell my students that when they take their <laughs> test but it it does raise a lot of interesting questions uh, about national identity as well because Santa Claus, for, for lack of a better word, Mark, Santa Claus is a national symbol. He is a symbol of national unity, much like the Star Spangled Banner or Mom and Apple Pie and baseball or any of these other things that we, we really do uh, celebrate and enjoy together as, as a country. And frankly, even Santa Claus is under attack today. So remember a few years ago, we were worried about Christmas being under attack. Mm-hmm. People didn't like uh, using the word Merry Christmas because it was too Christian. Well, now it's not just the Christian side of Christmas that's under attack. It's also this, this other, more secular side. Speak to, in related to that, as a historian, how families can celebrate, enjoy Santa Claus 
but also not lose what the true meaning as a Christian, what Christmas is all about and how they can combine the two. Well, you're, you're asking a metaphysical question. That, and, I, and I don't want people emailing me or calling me up getting angry with, with my answer. But I think you can do both. I know that for a lot of, lot of evangelicals, they insist that, that was, that's a mistake, that you shouldn't let the secular have a major place in these holidays because they overrule the, the spiritual and I certainly understand where they're coming from. But I do think that you can keep the secular as a, as a fun part of the season and enjoy it, uh, assuming that your kids are gaining joy from this as well. But always, I mean, if you're, if you're worshiping Jesus Christ throughout the year, if I can go back to the Puritans mm-hmm. for just a moment, if you're worshiping Jesus Christ as a family throughout the year, I don't think St. Nick stands a chance. It's also uh, maybe a reminder, too, that during this time, you have so many people that are listening to or participating and singing in the traditional carols, the traditional what would be, in a sense, Christian hymns. Yeah, yeah. this, too, is a little difficult to, to think through, but it is um, amazing. Uh, a friend of mine, another historian, D.G. Hart, Daryl Hart, uh, made an observation. He was watching a a Christmas television event, Miley Cyrus was singing Silent Night. And it struck him that at this moment, this this young woman, who is not known to be a symbol of Orthodox Christianity, uh, was pausing in her life and singing homage to the Christ child. Scripture teaches us every knee will bow. Every knee, even the most secular, will bow at the manger of the Christ child. That should be dramatic at Christmas time. Well, that is a little insight into some of our Christmas traditions. I'm Mark Edwards. I want to thank historian and professor Dr. Kerry Roberts for being our guest this week. And from everyone here at The Journey, Merry Christmas. We hope this season is full of your own family traditions. You've been listening to the Journey Hometown Journal. If you're a part of an organization or know of one in the communities we serve and would like to be considered as a guest, please make your request at myjourneyfm.com. Email office at myjourneyfm.com or call 800-424-9594. The Hometown Journal is a presentation of The Journey.